Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, wasn't the worship terrific? I tell you what, I just blessed us. Well, we say bless the socks off us. Um, I don't know where that term came from, but it means, you know, you were really blessed. <laughs> but uh, I just thank God. I want to thank uh, you as a fellowship. You've made us welcome. I want to thank you for the, those that I met and spoken to. You're a great bunch of people. And um, if you, we were to transport you from here to our little church back home, you'd fit in just fine. Okay? You just, you know, it's just, you just fit in. I know Mike's got a bit of Irish in him, but we're praying about that. And uh, <laughs> his wife said, can you do something about it? So I said, well, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but no, it, it's really great to be with you and to meet some of you and... Uh, I thank God uh, for the welcome that, that we've had from Steve and Rebecca, and uh, it's just been great. There's so many faces I'm good at, names, well, you know, <laughs> um, you know, and uh, our fellowship with Pastor Bill and, and Elizabeth, I got that one right, and uh, it's been, it has really been great, and uh, I praise God. It's good to be, you know, that's the one thing about the church, isn't it? No matter where you go. So long as they know the Lord, we're off. It's like old friends, you know, we, as if we've been on this journey for years and we've only seen them in like a couple of minutes. In fact, it was at, um, oh, I gotta ask a question first, Chad. What time did you say to finish? Three o'clock, something like that? No. 12.05? Oh, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, praise God. But. Um, we came into uh, the airport, into Louisville, and um, uh, we had arranged assisted uh, transport. And uh, the, the gentleman met us off the plane. He said, you go up through the, you know, you come up, walk up, up the walkway, and there'll be someone waiting there, and there'll be a, a buggy waiting there. You just go, and they'll look after you. Great. Sure enough, got on the buggy, got down, heading now to, for the, to collect the cases. And this lady, we started talking, and then next thing you know, you could tell by her that she knew the Lord. What I'm coming to quickly is to just to say, before we got off that buggy, she said, can I pray for you? Wow. And there she prayed for her. That's awesome. Prayed for us. And I just say, you know, God, you've got your agents everywhere. And they don't all have wings, by the way. You know, sometimes we want the angel to come and with the wings to flap. But you know, God ministers through his people. Even if you don't know them. And even if you're, you know, God just, God's got a way of surprising us. And a way of ministering to us. And he knows what, just what we need. And, and I, I thank the Lord for that lady. And... Um, she said what church you went to, but I, I, don't, I can't recall it. Um, so this morning, I just want to share some things with you that the Lord's put on my heart. I got a buzzing sound in my headset. Is there? I can take it off, cut it. I don't mind. Yeah. Okay. No. Praise God. Anyway, I'll carry on. But um, it's, it's, we heard it this morning about that, like the worship that God inhabits the praises of his people. The God, the God whom we serve is a relational God. 
He's not a God we pull out of the box on a Sunday and we do our bit on a Sunday and then we put the lid back on the box and live the rest of the life. We see that right in the beginning where Paul speaks to Timothy, he said, Timothy said, you choose men who are good at home, are right at home before they become right in the church. And sometimes, you know, the way, you know, the way there have been things going on in the world, never mind in the country, um, is this whole thing that, that there is sometimes there's a, not a match between the church and the home life. Now, this doesn't just work for leadership, for elders, as, as, as Paul was talking to Timothy, but it's for every, each and every one of us. We can come in with our saintly look. We can come out with our, you know, in Wales, we used to have, going back in the day, you, you know, if, when you go to church, you had a black suit with black braces, with black belt, and a black Bible under your arm. And you see there's photographs, and it's a, Guys, walk, you know, walking down the street, and that was the sign of, oh, you know, he's, he's a churchman. But we realize in today that it, it doesn't matter, you know, in the sense of how you dress so much. Uh, funny enough, I had a, a, an episode back at the church where I'm at, and I worked with a pastor there, and uh, he wanted to make, I retired, he wanted to make me an elder. I said, please don't make me an elder. I don't want, I don't want the title of elder. I just need, I don't want to, I don't want to be involved with all the nitty gritties of, of what goes on in church. I just want to be, I'm here to help you, your, your family, uh, both Margaret and myself. And, um, and I said, look, I am more profitable to you sitting amongst the congregation than I'll ever be sitting at the front or anywhere else. And, and, and it's worked terrifically. We meet every, on a Thursday uh, every two weeks, and we talk about everything and everything. I mean, literally everything. And it's been so, for me, it's been so refreshing. And, we, and he's, uh, he's in his 40s, but he's a great preacher of the word, and he's got a lovely wife and two children. But it's this whole thing of, of, of when we are together, that in, the, in that whole relationship that we have, that we're able to, 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 to speak with the folks. And it surprised me, because one, one of the men in the church, um, uh, he's a nice guy, he's a great guy, and I, I, we were talking about, um, um, about stuff, in, you know, church stuff, and he, uh, he had moved from the Midlands down to Wales and joined the church there, uh, with us there. And uh, anyway, he came out with this, and I, and I wanted to, I, I like to listen to people's story. If I meet you, I want to know your story. If I'm here long enough, I want to know your story. I want to know where, what you've been through. These two guys here just blessed the socks off me when we met down, down uh, in, the, in the bottom room there. They just, when they came out with their story, I, I just thought, Lord, what a work of grace. What a tremendous work of God's saving grace. And I just want to bless you and thank you for sharing what you shared, real personal stuff. But I want, I'm glad to hear their story. And I like listening to people's stories, see where they're coming from. There was a time when I was pastoring, going back in the early days of pastoring, I could sum you up just by looking at you. I knew everything about you. I, you know, I just, look, oh, you're that kind of person. And God had to deal with me and humble me. And I, I just thank God for it. And, I, I, you know, I, I've apologized to God for some of the wasted time 
in ministry, that I got involved in things which when I look back were just a waste of time. And, uh, but anyway, going back to this gentleman in the church, he's, he comes over and he was complaining about the way we dress in the church, you know, like when we're ministering. And we had had some ministry come through and he came on to me after, he said, did you see what that guy was wearing? Did you see how he, did you see, he said, and then he said, when we closed in prayer, he was there fussing around with his book. He said he didn't have his eyes closed, and, and I'm going, man, you're into the detail of all this stuff, you know? And I said, hey, you know, we're in God's presence, God's, God, you know, Jesus, take me as I am, I can come no other way, and so on, you know, and all that, and uh, he, I, I said, well, I said, uh, you know, I, I, I think you're majoring on the minor things. Um, and I, I, I said that to him. Anyway, I said, okay. So, I'm talking to him. I'm wanting to learn his story. So I'm with other, I'm taking the men's fellowship that particular week. And we're talking around the table and, and I go, tell me your story from each of the guys that were there. So we all went around and all this kind of thing. And they tell us this story. What transpired was this. When, when this guy came to talk, he said, I like films. I said, oh, you do? I said, what kind of films do you like? Oh, I like violent films. I said, you mean the blood and the gore and, the, and, the, and all that? Yeah, he said, it's all right. It's only films, actors. And I'm thinking, brother, and you're complaining about how another man dresses? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yes. And we have to be, you know, what we are in church, we've got to be in, that, in the home. Yes, that's it. That's the standard. That's where it's at. It. And what God is doing today, and it's happening over with us, that God is moving by His Spirit, and there's come a cleansing to the church. There's come a purifying to the church. The word that Margaret brought this morning, she mentioned the two words, my, the two words that I've got a really got a grip of in my life of late, and it's that word righteousness and holiness. Righteousness is simply doing that which is right. End of story. Holiness is being involved with something that is wholesome. And if we're not involved with something that is wholesome and we're going, you know, because we know the pressures we get from the world. And then we come to church and we, uh, and, you know, we hide ourselves. We don't want people to know about what, we, what we're like at home, how we treat our wives, how we treat our uh, wives, treat husbands and their children. And you know what? That the God is now saying, hey, I'm coming back for a purified church. I'm coming for a clean church. I'm coming for a righteous church. I'm coming for a holy church. Amen. And it's all about doing that which is right. And that's it. And we need to address issues in our lives. And this is something that God has put on my heart for you is this. Look, if you get it right, if you do that which is pleases God, if you honor his word, if you first of all, don't, that you as parents are examples to your children, then you can be examples to God's people in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And there's something that I, I, I'm so excited about what God wants to do here. 
when I look over at you as a congregation, I have to look at you and I, and I say, my Lord, what potential is here? If, God, if they would only allow God to get a grip of each one, I tell you what, you'll see things that you've never dreamt you would see. You'll understand things about God that you've never known before because our God is a relational God. He speaks to his people. He engages with his people. He doesn't walk away on a Sunday and say, that's it for this week. No, he's with us every day, every moment. Jesus says this. He said, and lo, I am with you always. And we got to get away from this thing that we can go out and do what we like. We've got to get away from this thing of saying, well, I, you know, I can say anything I want to in Jesus' name. Caution. Big caution. But we are called to be his people as we humble ourselves before him. And I tell you what, when the day came in my life and I realized that I was doing it wrong. But when that day came, when submission came to Christ, and I bowed before him, and I said, you are my Lord, and you are my Savior. There is none other but you. Things began to change in my life. And one of the things that changed in my life was my response to his word in obedience. That's what God wants to do, be obedient. You think of Saul, and now that the prophet said to him, go against the, the camp, I think it was the Moabites or whatever, and the, when he went to, against them, he kept the things to himself, the animals and, and all the treasures, and, he, and God said, no, you destroy everything. But he didn't. He disobeyed, and those words from Samuel was, it is better to be obedient that's what God wants from us, is that life of obedience. And we must be honest with God. Do you know, it's like I've come, you know, I now say to people, I, if God don't tell me, I don't know. I've got to live with it, and so have you. Because sometimes, you know, there are some situations where I'm the only man you need. And you think, oh, you're a bit proud. It's a big statement to make. However, there is the follow-on statement where, it, where I say, but, but there are other situations where I'm the last man you need. Amen. You wouldn't want me to get involved. But we as God's people need to understand that we are subject to the Holy Spirit. We are subject to his leading, to his guiding. And I tell you what, if you as an individual will start the journey today where you say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Give me ears to hear and eyes to see. Then, Lord, I know, Lord, you will lead me, you will guide me, you will teach me your ways. I want to thank you for praying for us, for me as, as a, personally and for us as a family with all the, the stuff I went through. And some of you don't know, but 2019, diagnosed with cancer, had an operation, um, had a bag fitted on me, and uh, then COVID came, and the bag should have been taken off after seven weeks. Well, I had it for 18 months, and then they took it off, and then, oh, there was stop and start. I went to theater three times, and they couldn't do it. I had to come back out because they had to do something else before I could 
get the bag removed. Anyway, that's that. That's gone in the past. But I want to thank you for prayer, for your prayers, because prayer works. Prayer works. I want to tell you that. And it's, I just want to encourage you, if you're going through it, you know, the Lord gave us a word to live by. And that's what we held on to. But Margaret, I want to thank God for my wife who's been faithful. Faithful to, to me, to, my, to, the, to the word of God. Faithful in prayer. And I just thank God for that. But I thank the body of Christ as well for praying. And uh, I'm here today and I, I just, I've just re resigned myself to the fact, Lord, teach me to number my days that I might apply my heart to wisdom. And that's what I do. And I'm here today. And God is good. So we, we, we see that, that, that this, this whole thing of our relationship with God, and, and through that time of, of where I was laid up, I couldn't, you know, I was in the bedroom on my own because of all the stitching, I had a big cut on my tummy and on my stomach, etc., and, and all that kind of thing, and uh, I'd be there, but then God would wake me up in the morning, in the early hours of the morning, and I'd, I'd get up and I'd sit on the side of my bed, and I'd say, Lord, here I am, here, Lord, here I am, and waiting on God. I wait on God for a little while and God would say things to me. And this is one thing that God said to me. When you hear what heaven is saying and when you see what heaven is doing, you can pray the prayers that heaven will answer. When you can hear what heaven is saying and see what heaven is doing, you can pray the prayers that heaven will answer. And you know what? That was such a liberating word to me. I said, Lord, just, just help me to see, help me to have my ears open. Because sometimes, you know, we can be, oh, you know, there's some people, they know everything. No, they don't know everything. The Bible says the things that we know belong to us, but the secret things belong to God. And it's that, that's what I want to know. I want to know the secret things. I want to know, I want to see a fulfillment. I was speaking to some pastors some months ago and I said about this whole thing of waiting on the Lord. I said, wait on the Lord, I said, and you'll get to see the promises that God has promised you come to pass. But it needs that heart of, of, of stillness before God. Stop pushing God. Let's do this, we're gonna do this. We, oh, do you know what? I've had so many false starts, it's un, you know, I could write a book. But I came to this, this whole position. Me and God, we're at peace with one another. <laughs> we're at rest with one another. And it's that whole thing about resting in God. And uh, I have mentioned it to some of you uh, earlier in the week about, I've come, both Margaret and myself, we have said, with that word has come to us, trust and obey. Know that hymn, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And I want to say that some of you are, are fighting your way through it. Yeah, I listen. listen to God. Listen for his voice. Listen for that word. And then what you'll get is a word to live by. Because you've heard from heaven. Heaven has revealed the secrets that belong to God. Heaven has shown you. Open your eyes for you to understand what heaven is doing. And to understand what heaven is saying. And when you get those things, you can rest and say, it's all right. God's got this. God's got it. 
And I just so thank the Lord for the reality of, of do you know what? I, you might think I'm crazy, but you know what I've been through when they diagnosed me with a cancer? It's the best thing that's ever happened to me in my relationship with the Lord. We got a brother back home. He's been, he was diagnosed with cancer. He's, we ministered together. But there was times when he was, was fighting. And I said, stop fighting. Stop fighting. Because when he would try to do it, he'd fall, he'd collapse, he'd get worse, not better. And then the, the, there was a, a mix-up at the hospital and all this kind of thing. And I said to Margaret, he's got to rest. He's got to rest in God. He's got to get a word from heaven that he can live by. And that's what we had. We had a word from heaven. We listened to what heaven is saying. And that word was life. Jesus' words are life. Their life. And I came to surrender my whole, my, you know, however long I lived, I, do you know, it, it, it was amazing what, what God has, has done that I went in on a Tuesday for the operation, I came out on Saturday. They are coming to me, and, and uh, in all of this, in all of this, I have had no pain other than what I caused, like stitches. You know, and you get out of bed thinking you can jump out, but you can't. You know, silly stuff. It's all my fault. But as far as pain goes, I've had zero pain. Amen. Zero pain. I was, I was, when I came out of that ward, and after I came out of the, uh, what, the non intensive care? Recovery. Recovery, that's it. That's a good word. It's. <laughs> And when I, when I came out of recovery after, you know, you're in there for about an hour while they make sure everything's okay. And from, from that time on, I'd, I've had no pain, no pain at all. And I, <laughs> it, it was just amazing what, what, what God has done. And I thank God for what he's done. But they came to me, and I, they want you to walk right away. They want you to walk back and forth, short walks. So I used to walk from the bed to, this, to the nurse's station, you know, the little desk, not a little desk, but the desk in, the, in, that, in, in, that, in that unit. And I'd walk there, and he'd say, walk as much as you can. Oh, I walk back and forth. And I was as straight as a die. Now, remember, I got a huge cut, all right? And I got a big pad over it and all that kind of thing. And what do they do? The, the, the nursing staff is coming on. Are you all right? I said, yeah, I'm fine. I'm excellent, thank you. Yeah, but you, you've, had, you know, you've had a major operation. You should be, you should be, you know, you should be in pain. Are you in pain? Do you want us to get painkillers? I said, I have no pain. And then the registrar would come around, the pain doctor, he'd come around in the morning and he'd first thing he'd say to me, on a scale of one to 10, uh, how much pain have you got? I said, I don't have pain. You've got to have pain. You were in surgery for seven hours or whatever it was. You know, you've got to have pain. I said, I don't have pain. Because of Jesus. <laughs> Amen. That's absolutely right. And I said, I don't have pain. I said, I'm straight as a die. No. And he said, you, you, you know, they were expecting me to walk around like this. Because apparently that's how they walk when they have to have the surgery. I don't know if anybody's been through that kind of surgery. But anyway. But what I'm coming to is this. That, that God is so good. But when you get that word from heaven to live by, 
you know, and it's just, it's been, a mirac- it's been mir- miraculous. And I just thank God, and I just give God the glory. And it was, it was tremendous. Anyway, they, 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 they sent, I got managed, they wanted to keep me in until Monday, and I said, please let me home, I'm fine. I, I, I'll get down better at home than, than in, in, in a hospital, you know, uh, with all the, you know, you had to get up at six o'clock in the morning and all this type of stuff. But I, uh, the reality of my walk with God through that whole experience and my relationship with the Lord, I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't swap it for the world. Amen. Tough as he might think it is. Because we experience the peace of God. When they told us after they did the, the examination, you know, they have a look inside you, and they said, yeah, you've got cancer. It's about the size of a... Of a I don't know, we got 50 pence pieces, quite big, but it hasn't done something, hasn't penetrated the wall or the bowel and all this kind of thing. And I'm going, I'm looking and saying, what are you on about? I don't understand anything medical. So, but they couldn't understand why I was in shock. And I said, well, what happens next then? Oh, well, you've got to go to another hospital and they'll, they'll sort you out. I said, okay, fine. But what I'm coming to is this, that when we trust God, when we let go of the reins and we say, not my will, but your will be done. It, 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 it sobers you up. That's the one other thing I found. But through it all, I'll be honest with you, I was never depressed. I didn't get so, you know, oh my, this is happening. They told me this and I'm going to have this and all that. Not one at all. I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. Let's go ahead. Let's get in. And when the consultant that I saw who did the operation, we were there, Margaret and I, and he said, well, he said, I'm awful sorry, uh, Mr. Clave, he said, but I'm afraid you're going to have blah, 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 blah. I said, okay. I said, I said okay, fine. When are you going to do it? And you could see, you know, the staff were like, hey, hang on a minute. But... I, through it all with this consultant, we became good friends. And we invited him to our Christmas meal, you know, if he was able, but they're busy with the backlog of, of, of cases back home. But what I want, I want to give God the glory because it's the reality of hearing from heaven and seeing what heaven is doing. When you know those things, you're okay. It's okay. Well, I, I, you know, uh, <laughs> I tried to get Margaret to understand the accounts in the house and what were the passwords and the login numbers for the bank and, the, and where this was and the insurance and how to get onto them online. And, oh, well, there we go. <laughs> you know? But it's, it's just that whole thing of walking with the Lord. God is so good. And I thank God for his goodness. I really do thank the Lord for his goodness. And so when we come, coming back to the church, that, that we are here to worship the Lord. I was listening to Watchman Nee uh, this week, actually. I got recordings of, uh, well, it's not recording, a recording of somebody reading one of his books. And I was listening to, to it, and uh, he's like a guy that's been born out of time. I think if he was here today, he would fit in very well with what he expresses in his books. And uh, someone is reading the books, and, and, 
And he, he was mentioning about the fact, and it reminded me of Israel coming out of Egypt, that, they, that what was Pharaoh to be told, what, did, what was Moses asked, God asked Moses to tell Pharaoh? He said, tell Pharaoh they're coming out to worship me, to worship their God. And this is the wonderful thing that we have been redeemed, firstly, to worship God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It is amazing grace. And this is the thing that, 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 that I rejoice in. I've come to realize. And so we see that our purpose is to, to firstly to worship the Lord. And then we see that the, uh, part of the work of the church is this, that I put it down like this. The, the church has two visions, an internal vision and an external vision. The internal vision is to make disciples. The external vision, the external vision is to go and get disciples, <laughs> to tell the lost. We heard it this morning. Let God speak through you. You know, just go and, uh, and, and it's right what Pastor Chad said about, you know, you may not know it all, but you know what, what's happened to you. you you've, got a, you've got history with Jesus. You can, tell, you can tell somebody how you met the Lord and how you, your life was changed and transformed. And so we do it as simply as that. I was in prayer um, going back a few weeks. The Lord, with the church that we have there, uh, uh, new pastor, changes came, change of name, uh, etc. But it been, God has been so good to us, and we have seen new people being added. And it all started when we started to discuss about, you know, reaching the lost. And then all of a sudden, the lost come in and through the door. Because where, where the church is situated, it's one of the main thoroughfares from a very, quite a large estate, houses. And people walk, many, you know, many walk into the town, etc. And, and what we're seeing is that as we are praying and, and asking God, we're seeing God bringing in people. And it's been amazing, absolutely amazing. But it's this whole thing of, of, of having that willingness to do it. And uh, going before I came here, I was talking to the Lord about this whole thing. Because I'll be honest with you, um, I, I'm not being the best at, at sharing the gospel with strangers. I, I got a little tongue-tied, you know? But I, I said, I was praying about it, and I said, Lord, please help me over this, because it's like a... I've had it all my life, you know. It's like talking to strangers is not my thing. But anyway, I, that week, um, the Lord, I went, I saw a Hare Krishna guy. You know what Hare Krishna people are? You know, with the, with the robes and the red dot or whatever it is. A mark, anyway, on their forehead. And they, he was there in the town, and I was in getting my phone sorted in the phone shop. And uh, I come out, and the Lord speaks to me. And says, go tell him. Oh, no. You know, <laughs> you know that's my first response. <laughs> if he was normal, he'd been okay. But he was Hare Krishna. <laughs> and I didn't know him. So I, so I walked. I came out of the shop. I walked away from him. I'm going out to the junction on, the, on that street. And I'm walking away. And the Lord says, why don't you go talk to him? I said, okay. So I turned around. I went back to him. I said, hi there. How are you? All right, fine. Uh, he says his bit. 
uh, I said, I'm, I'm interested to know um, about end of life. Where do you go at end of life on this earth? Oh, he said, we, 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 we go off, and he mentioned some word. And then he said, then we could come. And I said, and where are we when we come back? Oh, well, it all depends how good you are, he said. What do you mean? Well, you could come back as, a, as another person, which is a higher ranking than some coming back as a cow or a, or, or a worm or, or a flea. Or, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm trying to absorb all this. I said, I've got to be honest with you. I came, I come up to you to see if you've got something better than what I've got already. Oh, he said, I've never thought of that before. Yeah. He said, well, what have you got? Thank you for asking. <laughs> and so I shared to them about the Lord Jesus. And I said, I'm being serious with you. I said, you've got no hope. You've got, no, it's all by works. And, and, and you're never going to do but but it. But with Jesus, it's the free gift. Yeah. And I said, I said, why do you believe that stuff? I said, you, you sound like a bright young man. Anyway, his name was, I asked him his name, and his name was Peter. Remember that name, Peter. Right. Later on in the week, I'm in the church. I come out to church. I, the pastor just closed. We had been at a, a leaders meeting. And we come out, close the door. It's a, a nice summer's night. It's great. Come out. As I'm walking up, this fella comes up at the side of me, and he said, is that a church there? I said, yeah, it is. I said, oh. Oh, I used to go to church once. I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, good. So I'm walking. I want to get to my car. So he, he starts talking. And then he touches on something about, well, what is your church all about then? So I shared with him about the Lord. I told him, and guess what his name was? Peter. Peter. Okay, that's great. He was a multimillionaire. He said, I had a, a, world, a global um, business sending parts all over the world. And uh, he said, I sold it two years ago. And he said, I don't need anything. Ah, you do need one thing. You need forgiveness. Yes. And so... That, that, that was there. And all I'm interested in is planting a seed. That's all I can do, plant a seed. On the Friday, Margaret says, let's go, uh, let's go up to a shopping mall near where we live. I go to the shopping mall. I, she said, oh, I fancy a cup of coffee. I said, oh, the best coffee is uh, McDonald's. I said, we can go to McDonald's. So we go to McDonald's. Hey, McDonald's is a good coffee now. Hang on. You don't have everything here, you know. But anyway, <laughs> I go there, I'm in the queue. I'm waiting now because it's quite busy, it's a Friday, busy time. Schools, I don't think schools were back then at that time. I'd be there and just waiting. Well, this young man comes up at the side of me, stands me, he said, he said, I'm off. sorry, he said, I see you waiting. He said, I hope you don't mind. We were very busy and yeah, they were. They were, you know, the real buzz in the, in the kitchens going on like, you know. So anyway, he says to me, uh, what do you do? Oh, I said, I'm retired. Oh, yeah, what, 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 what were you before you retired? I said, I was a church minister. A church minister, he says. Wow, he said. And he starts to ask me questions about being a church minister. So I talk, and then we come to the thing. I'm waiting for the queue, you know. You know, what is it you believe? Opportunity to leave a seed. And guess what his name was? 
correct. I, I say, God, what are you up to? <laughs> Jesus said to Peter, he said, I make you fish as a man. And I just believe that you as a fellowship. Perhaps you find it difficult to share the gospel. Well, just tell them what Christ has done for you. You know, Pastor Chad said, if you don't get chapter and verse right, we're not all theologians. We're not, you know, you're looking at one, I'm not a theologian. But, you know, there is this, but there is a desire uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm praying to God, you know. Every day, Margaret and I, we pray. We seek the face of God before leaving, even for as soon as we add up, have a cup of tea or coffee, and then we pray. And it's that whole thing of, of having a heart that wants to see your community changed. An interesting fact I read about, uh, many of you know, know of Barna. They, they're the people that do surveys on churches, large and small, they, they do that. And they came up with this thing, I read this thing, an article, and it said that to bring about change in a community, if, if you get 10% saved of that community, you will see change for the good. That's an interesting fact, isn't it? It's only 10%. So we're this community, I don't know whether it's 1,000, 60,000, 100,000, you only need 10%. And then change will take place. Because seed begins to multiply. Yeah, and I just want to encourage you that each day you just say, Lord, just lead me. I'm not going to sweat over this. I'm not going to go out and say, let me at them. <laughs> you know? Sometimes we like that. I, I've been there. Let me at them. God says, you know, it's one thing about Jesus. I, I don't, I don't re read anywhere that he ran anywhere. He walked, and he talked with his father. And this is what we are called to do. Walk and talk. Walk and talk with the Lord. Lord, you lead me. You help me. Help me to say the right things. You may not have the schooling like some people or the educational, you know, you know I, I tell people, when I left school, the only thing I passed was the school gates. <laughs> I mean, and that's a fact. It, it, it wasn't until... It wasn't until I took up a trade, my dad said, you're not going down the coal mine. None of the boys were allowed to go down the coal mine. You've got to have a trade. Once you've got a trade, you can do what you like. And that was it. Each, each of the three boys, my oldest brother, he, he was brainy. He went, you know, he went brainy to the top right away, sort of thing. And it's this, but, but that, that's how it was. And then when I left school, I had to go to college, I'm sitting uh, an A-level exam, a maths exam, required for the course. And I, I flew through it, and I go, where did that come from? But you understand what I'm saying is this, that, 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 that God leads us, but we just need to take a step back and say, right, Lord, here's, here's my hand. I place it in yours. I'm holding on, now lead on. And do you know, I've never run anywhere for God. I've walked there, though. I've seen tremendous things. I could 
give testify of the goodness of God, God's provision, God's miraculous provision, not only in my own life, but in the life of my children and, and others, that God has done tremendous things. And to him be all the praise, the honor, and the glory. And that's it. We direct it to God. If somebody comes in and say, you know, somebody said to me when I was pastoring, we had uh, renovated a, a derelict cinema, turned it into a, into a Christian center for that community that we were in. And uh, one of the, the denomination that I was in, um, you know, when you get the, the official approval that you're a pastor with the denomination, you get an interview, a final interview at the church. And this uh, uh, senior pastor, he comes in and he looks around and he sees, what do we have, 300 seats uh, in, this, in this converted cinema? And, uh, and he said, oh, he said, you've got a job here to fill this one, he said. And I'm looking at him and I'm going, what? You know, there wasn't much encouragement in it. But we see God, we saw God move. We saw God do great things to the community. And I just thank the Lord, but it's all of his doing because I came to learn and to trust and obey. And that's all it is. And when things, God, oh, I can tell you miracle after miracle that God provided for us, amazingly. And this is what I give God praise. And, and, and this is what the, uh, and then afterwards, going, going on a, a year or two, a pastor came to the church and he, and, he, and he said, oh, you must be a good pastor. You've got all these people. You, know, you must be a good pastor. And I said, no, I said, I'm not a good pastor, but it's the good people God gave me. We had two children's works, youth work, uh, you know. And to see God move, because it was a, a, a that community of drugs and all that, but to see that turned around, how God intervened miraculously, miraculously. What time do you want me to finish, probably? Now? As I wish? Okay, three o'clock it is then. <laughs> hey, don't blame me. <laughs> but I want to finish with this story about taking on the giants. You know, David was a nobody. He was a kid out looking at the sheep, for goodness sake. You know, his brothers didn't like him either. When I came back to the Lord as a teenager, there was a prophet in the church that I, attend, that we attend, that I attended, and he prophesied. And the Lord challenged me, and, and, he, and the Lord said, I speak to David. That's me. I was the only David there. I speak to David, and I want you to give me your heart. Will you give me your heart? And then there was a pause. And the whole atmosphere in the church changed. And I began to weep before God. Because God was doing something in me. Because God's got to do something in us before he does anything through us. Yeah. And I wept before God in front of all those people. And I couldn't, I couldn't but weep. And, and, uh, and uh, apparently on the recording, you hear a voice saying... Lord, I surrender, something like, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I can't remember what I said now. I didn't say it loud. I said it quite, well, not too quietly, but it was, a, it was that confession. And the Lord said to me, because you have surrendered your life to me, I will make you like my servant David of old. I thought, wow. 
And there was David. Who was he? And there were giants. And I go now, winding the clock on to the time I'm pastoring in this little town of my stake. And we had a great prayer group. We had people really, ah, oh, they were, gen you know, they were a great bunch of people. And uh, I noticed that they were selling drugs at the traffic lights. There was a van parked up. You knock the door, you hand your money in, you came back with a package, and that's how it was. And I said, where's the police? Why aren't the police on this? And I said, what's going on in the, in the... Well, some of the members knew all about it. And they filled me in on some of the, uh, on some of the details of going on. Anyway, cut a long story short, we discovered that there was a, a main man in the valley, and the police could never arrest him. I'd, I'd been unable to arrest him as a dealer of drugs because he never had any drugs in his home. He never touched drugs, but he was the, t the top man. We're in a prayer meeting. The Lord speaks to me. I turn to the people and I say, we got to pray for this man. I said, those of you who are from his area, you know where he lives, but we got to pray for him that either God will save him or take him out. And that was my words. Save him or take him out. This is our God. When you hear what heaven is saying and you see what heaven wants to do or is doing. I, weeks went on, a few months went by, we kept on praying every, every week, kept on praying. With that, uh, we got a lady in the church, Iris. And Iris was one of the sweetest ladies we had. She, everybody loved Iris, even the youth. Everybody would go around to Iris's house, and she'd be there like a big mama waiting. And, uh, you know, she, she, she was good. In fact, she used to babysit our children, Rachel, one of them. But um, we, we prayed. Lord, save him or take him out. Important. We keep on praying. With that, Iris comes in, in into the meeting one, one Sunday. She said, Pastor, Pastor, she said, you're not going to believe it, she said. I've spoken to his name. I won't say his name. He's spoken to so-and-so, and I told him about the Lord, that he needed Jesus and to confess his sins, and that what he was doing was bad, and he shouldn't, and he shouldn't be doing it. But I told him that he needed the Lord and to ask for God for forgiveness. I said, Iris, thank you. It's done. He's been told the gospel. It wasn't many weeks later, he's on down the beach, in a little beach down near where we live, down in that area, a place called Ogmore by Sea. He's there with his young, with his young boy. He's on the beach on a rock, there's a few, quite a few rocks there. And uh, he's there sitting around watching his, young, his boy flapping around in the water, swimming around, you know, doing what young boys do. When all of a sudden, he sees his boy like this, and he thinks the boy is drowning. He's not. He's mucking about. He jumps off the rock jumps into the water, swims towards the boy, has a heart attack and dies. This is our God. Amen. You may have had Elijah's back then, but God is still the same. 
And we as a church need to get real with God and let our warfare be a warfare that we see what heaven is doing and what heaven is saying, and we do it according to that way. Don't go out here and think, right, I'm going to pray for my neighbor. Lord, either take him or, or save him. That's not how it's done. You have to hear a word from heaven. You've got to hear the voice of God. And if you haven't heard it, you've got to say, Lord, I cannot hear you. Will you speak to me, Lord? Will you reveal yourself to me? And it's not a lucky dip. It's not, I think God told me this. No, God told me what to pray for. That's what we prayed for. Now you might say, well, you must hear God all the time then. No. Some people, I'm going to say this one thing, and I am going to finish on this. I promise you. Right? Don't worry about the, you know, the steak will hold. It'll be all right. But this one thing, I want to share this with you, the reality of God, is that, that God, when he speaks, all he's wanting is, is years that are open to him. A lady in the church, sweet lady, but she'd come up to me in the meetings or even after the meetings, and she, not every meeting, but quite frequently, and she'd come up, oh, the Lord told me this, Pastor, yeah, this, that, and the other. I'd say, oh, thank you very much. I'll take that. And I would. I'd pray about it. If she said something, I'd pray about it. This one meeting, she comes to, she, she comes to me. She said, Pastor, I said, yeah. See that man on the back row? Yeah. He's demon-possessed, and you've got to go and cast it out. Well, I said, well, I'm thinking, okay, she could be right, huh? So I, I said, leave her with me. You sit by there. So you sit by the front by there. I said, I'll come back to you now. So while the worship was going on, I'm, I'm, I'm walking back and forth, and I'm praying to the Lord, talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, is this right? Is this man possessed. Now, he was one of these guys who had a hard life, yeah? When he used to sleep in the sort of the toilets of the town hall, that type of person. Um, he's a local character. I walk up and down. I'm saying, Lord, I, I just saying, Lord, please give me that word. I need a word, Lord. I, I, I can't just go and do it. I need a word. I got nothing. But this is what I did have. I went back to her, and I said, I said, excuse me, I said, but you got the revelation. I think you should deal with it. I never heard a peep out of her after that. <laughs> Church, in all seriousness, is not a place to play games. That's been the trouble with the church over the years. We've been playing games. We think we're the answer to everybody's situation. We think that we've got it all together and we can go and we can minister and speak to people. I tell you what, don't minister unless you've got a word from heaven. Guard your heart, the Bible says. Don't minister unless you've heard from heaven. Now you might think, well, oh, that could be quite, quite depressing. I tell you what, this is what happens. 
things start to happen because God's people are seeking him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. And that's what we want. We want God's addition. We want God's, <laughs> God's way of doing things. And I don't want to bury anybody. I'm not into that. I want to tell you that there is life in Jesus Christ. It's a relational life. And when you get it right and you're listening to God, you will find that God will begin to speak to you and He will confirm it. And there are times when I'm asked to go into situations, been in situations with other pastors where they've asked me to come in and get involved. And I, I get involved, but before I pray, I said, Lord, give me a word. Is this right? Is it right that, number one, I should be involved? Number two, give me a word regarding that specific situation. And if I don't get it, I don't go. And if I can't, then I tell them straight. I say, I'm sorry, I can't go. Sorry. Unless God gives me a word, I'm not going. Amen. I'm telling you this because I don't want you to waste time as a church. Stop playing around with the things of God. They are holy. They are precious. And when God begins to move, have a heart. We saw a move of God in my stake, when, and it was tremendous. We were in a little hut of a church. You know, we had 80 seats, but there was no aisle. And God was moving by His Spirit. We saw people get healed, saved, delivered. And we didn't, haven't done anything of ourselves as a leadership. I was part of the, of the leadership then. There was a Pastor John there. He, he, he was the, the man called to it. He went to that church when there were four elderly ladies there. Now, when I joined the church, after a year after they've been going, God is moving by His Spirit. They asked me, please, like, well, come join the church. I went over, you know, got the okay joined it, saw God do wondrous things. But you know what? I really believe that God wants to move, but you've got to get it right, not my way, but His way. Church, time is running out. The world is changing towards us, the church. The devil knows that his days are numbered. And he's out. He'd love to destroy you. He'd like to, like, he, like with Moses, he, he would like to destroy Moses. He'd like to get that in and, 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 and you know, but, but God has, has kept you. You're safe in his presence. But don't do, don't open the door to the things of the enemy. Just because you're getting a bit of a hit on it and you're getting a bit of a hype on it, you know, look at me, I can do this. The moment you hear somebody saying, I can do it, back off. Pray about it. Trust God. We are seeing children being used back home. Some of the churches that we're involved in, we're seeing children being used. I tell you what, it's really precious. And they come out and they say it in childlike faith. I say childlike faith. I'm going, where did you get that from? And it really impacted me when a child spoke to me and told me my very thoughts. And I said, how old would she be? Oh, I know, about seven. And I, I'm looking at her and saying, where did you get that from? And that's all I got. 
Who told you that? It's time to open up your heart to God. Stop the bravado. Stop the gossip. Start living for Jesus. Start loving on Jesus. Just start, just surrender the, your life to him and let, and you will know his, the, the closeness of his walk and all that you're going through and all that the blame that you put on this one and that one is no blame on this one or that one. It's just you and Jesus. Get the communication right and you'll be okay. Lo, I am with you always, Jesus said. In all the experience that I've had with hospitals and go and see consultants and all that, Margaret and I would pray before going, Lord, will you speak through the consultant? Lord, will you turn up in that little room and, and let your presence be there when, when they begin to talk to us? We were speaking to one of the consultants and and we were there waiting now for, for this lady to come. And, uh, and we were saying, well, you know, talking about just, you know, the Lord is good, thanking God. Then the door goes, in she comes, sits down. I looked at Margaret and I said, Margaret, God just showed up. His presence was as real there as it is in church. I tell you what, it was awesome. And she was talking to us, but she wasn't talking. I knew she wasn't talking with her knowledge in a sense of with all her expertise. All I heard was God speaking. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. They found that the cancer had traveled to my lungs, to the top. Uh, lobes on each lung, but they're very small. And every scan I've had, they've reported there's no change. It's neither better nor worse. They can't operate? I don't know. But you know what? As I am with you now, that's how I am in, the, in that room. I'll be honest with you. And I'm not putting on a brave face. It's just the presence of God. I've learned to trust him. I've learned to rely on him. I've learned to take his hand and allow him to lead. And that's, that's been my experience. And that is my testimony. And all oh, that you would know it. And all oh, that you would know the reality of, of, of the God whom we serve. He's a God who speaks. He's a God that answers prayer. He's a God that will reveal himself to you. If you will seek him, you will find him. He's not a mystery. He's not something that is so complicated. You need a degree in theology to understand him. I want to tell you that he's the God. He's the Christ of, of God. He's the savior of the world. He's the healer of the world. He's the deliverer. And there are people out there that are waiting for the revelation of the sons of God to rise up that under the anointing of the Holy Spirit you would experience something where I can tell you now, stop trying. Stop trying. Another thing I've come to learn is this. Don't be the last voice.
Sometimes your people, I, <laughs> it happens everywhere. It happens in every church. But, and I used to do it. I used to do it as a pastor. Be in a meeting and, and I'd want to get the last word. I thought I was doing the right thing. But I come to this conclusion. If God don't tell you, keep it, keep it shut. Trust him. He may speak to a child. Not through some clever ad uh, adult. Oh, child. Oh, I can't. Good grief, I'm the pastor, for goodness sake. That's what I'm here for. Let's try it his way. Let's see if this works. There are mothers in this church who have prayed over the years. And God is with you in your prayers. And I want to tell you now, you're going to see a fulfillment of those prayers. And there's nothing too hard for him. If he can preserve the life of a child in a, in a basket covered in tar, and like Moses was and pitched within and without. He can do anything. He can preserve any life and every life. So whatever you're going through. I want to speak to fathers finally. Be an example to your children in all godliness, in all holiness and righteousness. Be an example to your children. You might be thinking, well, it's a bit too late for me because... They've grown up and things didn't turn out the way that they thought. And I want to tell you, you don't know the size of our God. You don't know how great he is. You sing the songs, but you don't know it. You might know it up here, but you don't know it down there. We serve a mighty God. There's nothing too hard for him. Rest in his timing. Well, I've been praying for the last month and nothing's happened change your attitude I want to tell you something <laughs> I'm sorry I'm finished yet but I gotta get to say it the devil rides on the back of a bad attitude you got somebody with a bad attitude devil comes in yeah I got them stir them up they are right you are wrong I'm going to say my piece. I'm going to say it no matter what. If I can change your heart, I know I'll change your mind. But it begins in the heart. Out of the heart are the issues of life. And that's where God meets with us here. And he brings change up here. And I tell you what, I, I just want to say to you, there are miracles waiting to happen in this church. There are lives here this morning. And God's saying, I'm ready with a miracle. I just want you to get ready. Start speaking to me. Serve me with a pure heart. Serve me in a right spirit. And see what I can do. See what I can do. Is there anything too hard for him? Nothing.
There's nothing too hard for you, dear Lord. There's nothing too hard for you. And that's our God. That's our God. Finally, I am going to finish. Look, I'm really serious. Look, I got this paper. I don't know why I wrote it. I didn't use it. What does that tell you? There's nothing too hard for our God. Trust him. Obey him. Be a good example. You fathers, be a good example to your children. Be a good example to your wives. Yes, I did ask you to loosen the top tonight. Never mind. Oh. But the wonderful thing is this. We serve a mighty God. He's worthy of all praise. Amen. Amen.